0: John chapter 4. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. God blesses the reading of God's holy word always. Come, Lord Jesus, bless this time of reflection. Fill this with your spirit. Draw us to yourself as only you can. Through Christ I pray. Amen. What do you need? What's on your mind that you need right now? Jesus needed to rest here. Jesus needed to drink here. Our God, the God we know in Jesus Christ, is not content to sit aloft and gaze down upon a needy humanity, he jumps in the skin, gets tired, gets thirsty, is hundred percent human, hundred percent divine, not less of either, because he's both. But nevertheless, he's exposed to all the needs that we have. He gets tired, he needs to sit, he gets thirsty, he needs to drink. What do you need? What do you need? Our Lord meets us in our needs. Our Lord relates to us in our needs. And then our Lord takes those needs and uses us, uses them. He takes those needs and he uses them to show us how our greatest need is for him. Our Lord takes our needs, legitimate needs, legitimizes our needs by his very life in which he experiences those same needs. Then he takes those needs And he uses us, he uses them to show us our need for him. More about that in a moment. It's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. We're going to start a series now for the next several months on Jesus' encounters with people. Think about that for a second. The God of the whole universe jumps out of his lofty throne in the human skin and just wants to be with us and connect with us. That never gets old. If you really let that in, that never ceases to bring wonder. God, you came to be with us, to relate with us. Well, we're gonna look over the next several months at these different encounters. What's it like when God relates? In Jesus Christ, what does it sound like? What does it feel like? What's it look like when God puts skin on and just wants to connect? This is something we continue to do in what we call evangelism. We do this on God's behalf and we do what we call evangelism. I don't know what you all think of when you think of the word evangelism. Maybe, maybe it scares you. Maybe some of you, you know, understandably are wigged out by the term. But it's a good term. It just means bringing the good news. There's a book I'm going to do for my pastor's book club in August into September called Reimagining Evangelism by Rick Richardson. I knew Rick when I was on staff at their varsity. And it's a great little book. And he, he gets at the idea that we've often thought of evangelism as kind of closing the sale, right? Making the sale, making the deal. And he, Rick says, no, it's about relationships. It's all about relationships. Like Jesus and the Woman at the Well. Very freeing idea. So, if you want to join up for this, you can sign up in the back for the book club, and we'll get the books next couple weeks. And then, in, in combination with the sermon series, we can get relating on a deeper level with God and God's people. How does He do it? How does God do it? We're going to see a lot of different angles on it in the coming weeks. Here in our text, God's relating with this woman starts with the buzz. You know that, that famous play? What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening? Jesus Christ Superstar. They're buzzing about Jesus in the, in the text. Listen, now John learned that the Pharisees had heard that he, or I'm sorry, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he, Jesus, was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples so the buzz on the street so to speak the thing that gets all this this connection kind of teed up is that the Pharisees heard Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John well immediately after he describes this John says first of all John the gospel writer corrects this comparison between Jesus and John the Baptist by saying Jesus doesn't baptize uh, his, his disciples do right. so he corrects that Then it immediately says afterwards, after Jesus hears this, he leaves. He goes back to Galilee. So our Lord doesn't fist pump here. Our Lord isn't in competitive mode. As scholar C.G. Cruz suggested, it's likely that Jesus did not want to be in competition with John the Baptist. He affirmed John's ministry. He doesn't do that. Nor does Jesus want to get into premature confrontation with the Pharisees. That's going to come soon enough. So Jesus goes on a little adventure. And we just want to pause there. When we think about relating with Jesus and relating with people in his name, we have to, we always really can't avoid starting with the buzz. What are you hearing? What are people saying about Jesus? Where's the competition? What's being raised up? And we can relate with that. We can relate with what happened in this text here because we too hear stuff on the street about how people are responding to Jesus and how the church is compared to this and what people think about the church and and in Jesus' name and how people are responding to that and what the Pharisees are saying now, right? And But like in our text, it's imperative that we don't respond to the buzz, that we respond to the Lord. The Lord doesn't let the buzz about what people think about what he's doing make him jump in or or get into a counter argument about what's happening. So we may wanna respond to the buzz going on in the world by getting into an argument with somebody and defending Jesus. And Jesus may say, like he leaves for Judea here, he might say, you know what, come with me, step out of there for now. I'm gonna leave Judea for Galilee. Come with me. Don't, don't get in an argument. So respond to the buzz with Jesus. Let Jesus lead you and how to respond to whatever is floating out there. Another time, we may want to respond to the buzz or whatever is being said about Jesus by running away and taking a nap. And Jesus will say, no, go sit next to that guy, that contentious guy in your meeting, and get ready just to be with him, and I'll give you the words to say. So we want to let Jesus determine how to respond to whatever is buzzing out there, not just our own reactions. And our in our relationship with Jesus... We never know where he might take us in that response. Here, it says he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. And there's this woman, Samaritan woman, at the well. And she he says to her, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? So there's a lot going on here in the background. You got into the background to get how dramatic this is the Assyrian invaders who took over northern Israel in the 8th century BC they re, they took the Israelites out and they repopulated the northern kingdom of Israel with outsiders so imagine if an invading force came into Makotio, yanked us out and replaced us with a whole bunch of other people and then years later we were allowed back you could imagine there'd be some tension between us when we return and the people who some invaders repopulated this area with years earlier. Well, that's the Samaritans. They were the ones who were brought in to replace the people who were yanked out. The Samaritans were the people that Assyrians put there after they yanked the Israelites out. When the Israelites returned, were allowed to return, Under the Persians, there was tension between the Assyrians and the Samaritans. There was tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews and the Samaritans didn't didn't get along. The Samaritans were looked at as half-breeds by the Jews. So, that is why this woman looks at Jesus and says, How can you ask me for a drink? How can you ask me to do this? Jesus, God in the flesh, is breaking a taboo here. He dares to talk to this Samaritan. You didn't do that. You just weren't supposed to do that. You And she knows it. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? What's going on? To walk with this Jesus is to be nudged or pushed toward people and places that we may not think we're supposed to hang out with. The jock who has lunch with the computer guy, right? The UW the UW Husky who dates the Washington State cougar, right? The Baptist preacher and the belly dancer to decide to launch an outreach to strippers. In these sorts of crazy combinations, we see the bigness of God's heart for people. I was sitting at a table doing outreach at Seattle Central Community College years ago, I think I've told this story before, and I saw across from our table was a group called the Pagan Circle, and the Pagan Circle, I just thought they had had some cool arts. (laughs) So I went and talked to the guy, and it turned out he was a. He described himself. He described himself as a gay witch. And so I made a deal with him. I said, "Why don't you come to our Bible study, and and, and I'll come to one of your one of your um, uh, uh, one of your movies about um, your your pagan group." And he did. More on that in a moment. Who might God be nudging you toward, in order to show you the bigness of His heart? Where is Samaria in your mind? Your workplace, your school, your team—who are you not supposed to hang out with? Who is, you know, not in the in-group that you want to be in? The Lord of this Scripture is not content to be Lord of just the in-group. He walks across the tracks, walks across the cafeteria, walks across the cubicle, and connects with us. Connects with people who are the thems who are not us as yet he is inclusive all inclusive this is the all inclusive heart of God we're seeing here and it all starts with his need and her need but watch how he redefines the needs After the woman questions Jesus, how can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So the Lord is not content to just make this into some practical transaction. Jesus takes her to a different level. When we walk with Jesus, he'll lead us to do the same thing. I was at a Starbucks drive-up line recently, and before I knew it, somebody was asking me about, one of the baristas was asking me about what I did. And then they asked me, how did I come to do what I do? And I was befuddled. I wasn't expecting that. in a Starbucks line. Sometimes opportunities like that present themselves. Before we know it, words of truth can come out of us that aren't, us, they're through us, it can happen to you. It can, when you have this happen, you never really know what the Lord's going to do. When I had that, the, the gay witch guy, by his own description, come to our Bible study at South Central Community College, he was riveted. We studied this very passage, and he was riveted by it, he was mesmerized by Jesus. He said something like, I am amazed. He is incredible. Look how he draws her in. Now, this guy didn't bow the knee and cry holy. You know, he didn't didn't come to Christ in the moment, but it was a step. It was a step, and I was amazed. I wasn't. I don't think I was expecting that response. The text did the work for me. Right? It gave the Lord spoke through the text. The Spirit spoke through the text, and it took him deeper than I imagined he could go. It can happen to you. It happened here. Now. In response to his pressing in, hey, if you knew the gift of God and who it is is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman in the next text kind of pushes back. Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Where can you get this? Are you greater than our father Jacob? So Jesus presses in and she pushes back. Could happen to you. But don't freak if it does because Jesus is Lord. He can roll with that, just like he does here. When you and I don't know what to say, you know, that's actually a gift. That's a holy moment. You know why? Is it gets us out of the way. And it, it causes us to have to go, help? <laughs> you know what I mean? And he does, and he will. Just like Here. He always has an answer, you know. Now, sometimes the answer might just be silence, or it might be, let me go think about that. <laughs> let me go pray about that. Thank you for asking that. You know, sometimes that really is part of our witness, that we don't just traffic in answers, we traffic in relationships. Ooh. I think the Spirit was we don't just traffic in answers, we traffic in relationships. So sometimes the response is, you don't know what to say, the Lord just may want you to keep the relationship going, i.e., hey, let's meet here next week at 12 o'clock. I'll think about that this week, and we'll come back, and we'll talk some more. You know, preserve the relationship, right? Sometimes that's the answer, preserve the relationship. Sometimes, though, he'll give you the words right in the moment, like he speaks here. He can do that. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. So you see what he does here. He's starting with their needs. We need water. That's what I said. What do you need today, right? We all need something. We need water. We need a drink. Those are legitimized. That's very legitimized here. I need a nap. I need rest. That's legit, okay? But it's also the case, along with the legitimacy of those human needs, it is the Lord's MO to use those needs and... come inside by showing you the deeper need behind those needs you notice that Jesus doesn't surrender the conversation to her terms it's, it's, she's just thinking in literal terms. He elevates it. He brings it up, and this is true throughout the book of John. Right? John will talk about bread, and then he'll talk about bread. You know, he'll talk about light. Then he'll talk about light, like the spiritual, the the physical light and the spiritual light, the physical bread and the spiritual bread. Same with water. It's the physical water and the spiritual water. So he's going to use this opportunity through talking about the literal physical needs which are legitimate and important and then he takes them and he says let's talk about the deeper thing let's 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 kick it up 10 notches and that's what he does here and that's a big part of evangelism is seeing those moments when you can convert a conversation about daily life and needs legitimate needs and start talking about the deeper needs behind those needs You could say Jesus is in the business of converting conversations even before he converts people, right? Taking the conversations into a deeper meaning. Sometimes that can take years. Sometimes it can take minutes and everything in between. But that is what we do here. He expands the water talk and she jumps right in. The woman, after he says... Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Suddenly, we go from a literal, temporal reference point to a, to a legitimate need, to a deeper expression of a deeper need, and what happens? She jumps right in. She says, sir, verse 15, give me this water. You see what he did there? He drew her in through her temporal need and showed her a deeper spiritual need by his power. That is what he does. He does that here. He does that still here. This is what we do. When Jesus meets us, he awakens us to needs we didn't even know we had. Maybe we start out thinking, I need a friend. And we do, we all do. But then Jesus meets us and takes us and says, you don't just need a friend, you need intimacy, you need forgiveness, you need grace, you need acceptance. He kicks, he comes into that need and renovates it and expands it and makes it bigger. Maybe parents start out just wanting to learn to be better parents. That's good. We're all working on that, right? Then after being with Jesus for a while, the parents realize that becoming a better parent is fine. But what they're really needing is fellowship with their heavenly parents to know how much they're loved and cared for. And in fact, that's the very thing that's the key to being a good earthly parent. We come to him looking for this or looking for that. And we're invited in that to let Jesus show us what we really need. Coming through those legitimate needs and showing us the deeper need behind them, and as we engage people in Jesus' name, we're invited into those conversations where we kind of externalize what's already happening within us. Right? We're sharing our own. Yes, I can tell you I'm thirsty too, and that you know, and then you get into the deeper need behind that, or I'm struggling to be a parent too, and get into the deeper need behind that, or I struggle with failure too, and let me you know all those things. Getting moving from our temporal, understandable needs. To how Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Meets them at the deepest level. In our life together. We come looking for water. And we're offered. Verse 14. A spring of water. Welling up to eternal life. In John. John uses the Greek for halomai water. Welling up. It's, it's like a spring. Like a geyser. Like Old Faithful. That's what he does. Now. When we think about evangelism and reaching out to people as answering all these questions, we think about encountering people's anger, we think about speaking for God or remembering the right Bible verse or defending our faith against attack or any of that, that can and does feel overwhelming. And it's not that there there isn't validity to all those concerns. But as we see with Jesus and the Samaritan woman here, there is something even more basic, more primal, more fundamental about being relational in our evangelism. It's not just an exchange of information. There is a place for that. It's not just clearing the brush of falsehoods about Christianity. There is a place for that. It's not just showing that our faith is intellectually coherent. There is a place for that. It's, you know, all those things are important, but the core thing is what is going on in that person in the need experiencing in the moment. Here's what we do have to be careful, though, about need based evangelism because we start with the need, right? But Jesus. Actually, doesn't stop there he takes them to the need behind the need right so the need based evangelism is the beginning spot where we meet people where they are and then he also will take them to understand and show all of us needs we never knew we had so need based meeting people in their needs is the starting point it's never the end point I love Psalm 139 oh Lord you have searched me and you know me he knows us better than we do. He knows those around us better than they do and better than we can ever know them. You think you need to work harder? What you really need is grace. You think you need a change of jobs? What you really need is a bigger mission, a purpose that holds whatever job you have. You think you need to achieve? But what you really need is to know that you're loved no matter what you do. In our relationship with Jesus, He'll show us the deeper needs behind our temporal needs and He'll help us do the same for others. In our relationship with others, Jesus will use us to show people their deeper needs as we know them. And it can happen in five minutes. More likely it'll be five months or five days five or five years, you know, but it can happen anytime and it's an adventure. You never know where that's going to take you. And it could be as simple as walking across the cubicle or talking to your clerk at the store, your barista, or a friend you've known for ten years and having suddenly having a deeper conversation with them. It's all of the above. It's all about relationships. Let Jesus take you to the well. He's the well. He's the well. And he's always with us. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.